Hi, I'm Kasim Gaines, author of We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. In celebration of the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future, I enlisted the help of nine fellow time travelers to share their love of the franchise in this three-part tribute. In episode three, we start off with... Hey, uh, thanks for having me on on the show. I'm Courtney, uh, also known as Quadfather MFT from The Quadcast, the world-famous Quadcast. And uh, I'm here to talk about my my favorite of all time movie. I mean, this and Pulp Fiction, but this one I just has a special place in my heart, uh, Back to the Future. So thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for coming, uh, especially on, uh, you, you know, because obviously you podcast and everyone's schedule has to, uh, you know, line up for, for you to come on. So appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as everybody wakes up at the butt crack of dawn, I'm okay because uh, morning is my time. You know, I, if you, as soon as you said, hey, as early as you want to do it, I'm like, all right, I'm in. So we'll go ahead and get into the first uh, first bullet point. Uh, what does Back to the Future mean to you, and why is it one of your favorite movies of all time? Well, it's it's a benchmark movie uh, as far as uh, we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording. Um, as far as where I was in my life, it, when, when Back to the Future came out, I was just finishing high school and um, – early into college and I didn't have a place to go. So, um, yeah, I was living at home. My buddies and I, we, you know, like high schoolers are, we just, the last place you want to be is home. So any any time we could get the opportunity to go to a movie, we'd go to a movie, but back, well, actually even now, you know, they have those multiplexes and you go into one movie and then when we were done watching that movie, we would just go find wherever back to the future was in another, in another theater and just go and sit in on that movie. So I probably saw it 20 plus times in the theater. And it was, it was just something that we could walk into. We didn't have to know where it was in the, you know, time it out. So we got it at the beginning and we ended up watching that movie tons and tons. So that became kind of our, our, me and my buddy, Eric, our, our passion, our, like some people follow groups, musical groups or whatever. But for that period of time, it was all about back to the future. I mean, we would, we would, uh, we ended up recording the audio, like I took a cassette recorder in there so we could actually just kind of play the scenes as we went around, uh, the, the town, you know, driving and, and going, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, how about that one? And what do you think about that? And we theorized for the longest about all the time travel possibilities and, you know, what if you met your mom, you know, who, who really wrote, uh, Johnny be good, you know, was right. it, was it Marty McFly or was it, um, Chuck, Chuck Berry, mm. uh, you know, because if you take that loop, it's like, well, wait, nobody really invented it. Right. Cause, uh, you know, uh, Marty gave it to, to Chuck, who produced it, and then Marty picked it up, took it back. So I don't know where the original <laughs> author, a, John, egg or the chicken, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the, for that period of time in our lives, um, you know, it was just it was a, it was a, I guess a, a, a kept us off the streets. Let's say it mm -hmm. was kind of it was something that as we were thinking about you know moving from being kids to adults, you know, you could start to look at well, what if I what if I was that age and what if I did meet my mom? That would just be the weirdest thing, you know, those types of things. So we could spend a lot of nights just theorizing about uh, you know just time travel and 
you know, all the lines. I mean, it, to me, the score and everything made it so that you could watch that movie, you know, a, a hundred times. I mean, and I, I probably have in some, some form or fashion. You, you know, back to what you were saying about you recording it on cassette tape. I actually did that as a kid myself. And I think the earliest age I recall doing that was probably in the first or second grade. Wow. And I, you know, I couldn't drive, obviously, so I couldn't listen to that in a car like you guys did. But I would listen to it on my Walkman going to bed, oh. and so I've probably listened to it more than I've actually seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And it holds up, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I mean, it's all the sounds. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, where does this rank uh, for you, or how does it compare to like a, a lot of the other really big trilogies? I mean, you you were seventeen when this movie came out, so you've obviously seen the um, all three Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And were were there three Jaws? I probably saw those. I don't I don't know if those count as a trilogy though. Uh, yeah, they they continued on, didn't they? After that, <laughs> yeah. Well, jo- well, there's nineteen of them, right? Yeah, Jaws that's right. nineteen. That's right. It's in three D coming at you. Um, well, it, to me. I, Okay, th- I guess I'd say this was my Star Wars. You know, a lot of you know the way that people are passionate about Star Wars. I, sure, I saw them all, uh, all the Star Wars, but I didn't. I didn't understand all of the nuances and the different worlds and the time frames and what was before and what was after. So to me, this, I mean, it's number one in 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 all in the trilogies, just because there I could I could understand it. You know, it wasn't in those different worlds. It was straightforward enough for me to follow all of the plot lines and all the time travel pieces. Um, and so it has. I mean, for me, it's number one. I don't know. If it's the best, um, but it's my best. Yeah, I actually agree with that, and that's what I tell people, too. Like, Back to the Future is my Star Wars, you know, because by the time I was born, yeah, the trilogy had already been out. I'm sure, like, um, the, you know, aunts and uncles and, and my parents, you know, they they probably watched Star Wars and were just, you know, whatever, but I, they weren't huge fans of it where I grew up watching it. So mm-hmm. Back to the Future was the thing when, when I was growing up. So that that's why it's mine. Yeah, it's um, a movie that you that you can just put on. You know, right. a, a, any scene, you could, you could do whatever you want. You could walk around. You can sit and watch it intently. But every time you would enter the room or that it was on TV and you would, you know, turn on the channel, you'd be like, oh, this is a good scene. You know, and you could just watch it from that point. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really I, – I think if you ask anybody who their favorite character or characters are, it's, it's almost Doc and Marty each time. It, it, that's really hard to dispute. But do you have any uh, favorite side characters, whether it's one of the parents, Biff, any of the goons? You know, it was, it was, it was funny. Uh, I, maybe we just weren't paying attention. But the first two or three times that we watched uh, Back to the Future, we didn't notice that the Mar- – well, it wasn't Marty. It was Biff and uh, the dad, Crispin Glover, he, George McFly, uh, were played by themselves – and made up to look older. So we weren't really even paying attention to that. Um, so for me, Crispin Glover, uh, the George McFly, uh, because not just because of this transformation, but because of the goofy way he held the hill. I'm just not very good at confrontations. You know, just those types of, of uh, the way he talked and the way he, he had actually had the most character change. Right. I mean, Marty was Marty through Marty and Marty. And, uh, you know, Biff, uh, yeah, he 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 was different, you know, in the different versions of the, you know, between the past and the future. But he was always Biff. I mean, even throughout the whole trilogy, Biff was Biff. 
you know, he, he had his own self-interest and, you know, greed uh, running his, himself. But the dad, George McFly, uh, he's the one who actually goes through that big, you know, personal development and becomes an c- entirely different person. So I, I, to me, he is, he is uh, the character that I like to watch the most. Every time he's on the screen as the, the inept uh, either teenager or inept father, I'm watching. I, I'm I'm listening to those lines. I love I love his lines. Yeah, I mean, he gave us uh, "I'm your density." Yeah, you know? yeah, and and wasn't he um, in, in number two and three? He wasn't in number two and three officially, right? No, Jeffrey Wiseman. Yeah, because he went crazy, right? Because he's yeah. <laughs> he's in wanted more money. Yeah, exactly. He over overestimated himself, but um, but he is that type of quirky actor, and he fit really well for that George McFly role. So there's there's my wild card. That would have been interesting. Like, had he stayed on, would they had even used Crispin Glover in two and three? At least two, because you know they obviously used Crispin. I mean, um, Jeffrey Wiseman for two. But I wonder how how big of her, how much bigger um, George's role would have been. You know, in the next two movies. Well, I'll tell you, if if I knew I could get him, I would have used him a lot because he is, he's a talented actor. Uh, he's just uh, that he's just that quirky. I mean, you look at him in other roles. Um, I don't know if he was in like that Ben movie with the rats or something. I mean, there Willard, Willard. Willard, yeah. Every every movie that he's in, you're just like, wow, he's this guy. There's a lot underneath behind his eyeballs, right <laughs> underneath the surface. There's stuff going on with this guy, um, and he can bring that intensity to the screen. So I, if I if I was writing it and I knew I would have Crispin Glover in that role, I would have I would have used him quite a bit more because he could he can play older and younger and he cleans up well. So they probably would have. Yeah, and in this movie, there's so many scenes to choose from, but what are some of your favorite scenes? Mm, yeah, you know, um, I, I actually brought you some clips. If, uh, if you have the patience, we can sit through them. Uh, Absolutely. All right, so I, I think for me, let's see, as long as we're talking, well, do we want to do them in order? Um, all right, well, we were talking, we were talking about the, um, the, all the sound effects, and this scene where... Um, I wouldn't say it's my my favorite, but there's something really really interesting about it. So this is where the DeLorean is revealed. Um, so we'll sit through some of the sound effects. It's I don't know how long it is. Not that long. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Ah, uh, well, it's a DeLorean, right? Bear with what me, Marty. All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah. tape. Okay, I will right. proceed. Ah, uh, Doc. Uh, is that a Devo? Never mind that now. Never mind that right. now. Right. No, no, no. Okay, so, so for me, that was... Um, you know, just, just the way the sounds work and the rest of it. But that last line that he says, is that a Devo suit? Right, I, and when we were watching the movies, I had no idea what what he was saying. I mean, I'm like, what? I thought he was he got cut off like a de-evolution deal, you know, something. You know, I had no idea what what, what Marty was supposed to say there. Um, however, I did end up with a uh, my dad knew a movie movie reviewer who was able to have some connections uh, through I don't know his whatever his movie his movie reviewing stuff because they get 
they would get different, you know, press kits and, um, you know, releases. There was no internet, there was no email. So they could, they actually had to physically send copies of, like I had a copy, his, his preview copy of the movie for a while. And, um, I'm, I'm sure I have it somewhere. And I, he also, uh, gave me his press kit and was able to give me a copy of the script. And I didn't know until I read the script that, um, Marty says right there, is that a Devo suit? So, yeah, isn't it isn't it crazy? Now now we can watch it with subtitles and know exactly what they're oh, saying. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that's, that's that was that was a ripoff, man. I was like, oh come on, um, but yeah, I, I, everybody else has that, that that different advantage than than I do. So I don't know. Um, one let's see another scene that I really oh one that I one that I quote all the time is when uh, Marty goes back to okay, so he's in 1955 and he runs up to Doc. Um, goes to his house over on what is it? Uh, what street is it? JFK. Uh, John is yeah. John F. Kennedy. Yeah, well, it's not John F. Kennedy Drive. It's uh, yeah. When they, they talk about oh, the old one. I don't remember yeah. the. Uh... So uh, so he goes up and, and meets him, and here's that clip. to get back to the year 1985. Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. (laughs) So, to me, that was a big laugh line, right? Uh, He doesn't get it at all. You know, uh, this just occurred to me, but that machine that turns off when marty pulls off the uh uh-huh yeah so how sophisticated was that equipment for it to turn off immediately he pulls it off his head i don't think that i think you know what i think they're just great foley artists and they just because it sounds like a film going you know how when when you're watching a film or when i used to watch a film in in grade school and it would finally run that last bit of celluloid off the end and you would hear the the, it's spinning as it hit against the machine as it spun around Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like that that type of slowing down to me. So, but they, yeah, that would be quite sophisticated. I don't think it could read someone's mind, but uh, it, it is an amazing piece of equipment. Yeah, it obviously didn't work. Um, and so, 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 those were some of the scenes. But what about quotes? I mean, this this movie is very uh, quotable. No, I say I, I say not a word, not a word, not a word now all the time. You know, and I also say I'm not just very good at confrontation. You know, so so it's almost like uh, there there are so many different 
things um, that uh, quotes that I can't even, I, I mean, he's a peeping Tom. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of little quotes, um, you know, that's, uh, that, that I, I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite one. I, I think it, it's almost like a favorite one for the situation because I probably say a couple uh, Back to the Future quotes every week, you know, just, just, and nobody knows I'm quoting the movie except me. Yeah, I I used to work with a guy who was also a very big fan as well, and I, I swear at, at least once a week, th- th- somebody would say something that would trigger a quote mm-hmm. from the movie. I mean, I don't have a, a very good example right now, but um, it was, it, it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's just relatable. You know, it's just a, it's a relatable movie to our everyday lives. Yeah, you know, somebody could just say the first few lines of an actual quote from the movie, and I'll finish it, and then you know, I'll give him that that inflection of the movie, and he'll he'll turn around, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's it's a really good thing. Um, yeah, it, you know, you can bring up whatever other stories, um, anything else. Oh, actually, you know what? How about um, your favorite fun piece of trivia from the movie? Because this movie has a bunch of fun stuff for viewers, you know, and things you can learn over and over again. You know, uh, I always start with the whole, you know, old man Peabody and his son Sherman, mm-hmm. you know, who, who the, the name is taken from, you know, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, you know, something like that. Um, one of the things that I think it took me a while and and for those who watch it several times, they knew. But just watching um, the when he when Marty's at the mall and he runs up the first time, it's Twin Pine Mall. And uh, then it's Lone Pine Mall after, you know, he runs over uh, Mr. Peabody's uh uh, uh, pine tree. Pine tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, you know, I mean, th- there's the easy stuff like when he's um, playing the when he's playing the Darth Vader scene and he wakes him up. Um, you know, I, it, I I don't know. I, it, I can't I can't really think of any particular piece of trivia. Um, you know, just just some. I just think the way that the whole movie is written, it's constructed so well that it 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 can take the weight of the examination, you know, of the passionate fans like, like we are. Um, it has the continuity. And when you're looking for something, I mean, when I'm watching, when I watch number two, when I go back and watch number one, I look at, I'm like, okay, well, is, can I see Marty on the hill in the background? Cause I know he's watching the scene because <laughs> he's hard. I mean, it's that type of that continuity. I'm like, maybe they planned that far ahead and they put him on. I mean, of course they didn't, but, um, you know, I don't know. I I don't think I have a particular piece of trivia. What What do you think if uh, if Zemeckis did something like George Lucas did, where he'd go back and insert Marty in the Hill, you know, to uh, to to make it that much, you know, much more cooler? Like I, you know, if God forbid, if they try to remake, you know, the trilogy or add to it, you know, there's nothing I can do. I'm just gonna say, you know what? Well, I I guess we'll just see. But yeah. I feel if um, if I had a say in it, I would like to take part two and then reshoot all the 2015 stuff with the actors as they are now. So that way they're not in the makeup and they're actually their oh, old that's selves. Funny, that's funny. Cause I don't know if you could get. I mean, Marty might be tough with with you know reasons, right. but you know, other than that, I think it would probably probably he probably he looked like he had so much fun filming those like the, the the household dinner scene and the you're, you're fired and you know the faxing playing all those different characters i mean just mm-hmm. the, the young girl and every, i mean it was it was 
it was one that you almost had to watch on DVD so you could go back and watch it and go, wait, that there he is, there he is. You know, how'd they shoot that? And it was kind of, you know, back in the time, the the effects were actually pretty good, you know, for the day. You know, with that scene with the with the family having dinner, I, I don't know how long until it took me to realize that was Michael J. Fox playing his own daughter. Yeah. Because, that, I mean, didn't they actually use a female's voice, you know, uh, like in ADR? I don't, I don't know. I don't, it, it, it sounded good to me, but, you know, it's, it's, but uh, clearly he wasn't singing on, on Johnny Be Good. No, no, he wasn't. I think that was his, like, voice coach or something. But uh, I, I, I think I saw, it was either, like, in the behind the scenes or I just read this somewhere, but um, Michael J. Fox was very embarrassed about that scene, dressed up as a as a you know as his younger daughter, and I think they tried to limit how many people were actually on set that day filming that. Um, really, you would? Yeah, it, I mean, heck, he's gonna. It's a movie. It's yeah. everyone, We're all gonna see it. But I guess uh, you know everybody has their own personal personal demons. It's like, well, hey, if you're gonna be it in a movie, it, I would think that you'd be okay with people seeing it. But um, that makes sense, I guess, for a teenager. Yeah, have you ever um, uh, sat in the DeLorean taking pictures? Um, well, I, I know I've I know I've been in a DeLorean. Not not the I don't even think I stood in line. Like when I went to Universal Studios and saw the exhibit, because that was you know back in the day there was no real way to get information. Like we didn't know for sure that the second one was going to come out. Uh, actually, the way that I found out that there was going to be a Back to the Future two was when uh, Back to the Future one was released on VHS. And uh, we watched it, of course, watched it all the way to the end. And it said, you know, to be continued uh, at the very end, you know, when he flies off and roads where we're going, we don't need roads. Another quote, um, which is probably one I say all the time. Um, anytime somebody says something about a road, um, I'll say that quote. And um, so, but th- then it ends with that flash and the, the fire and to be continued. We're like, There's going to be another one. Yes. So we were we were on the on pins and needles waiting to see if there was going to be a a sequel. So was that because in the home releases they added to be continued? Uh-huh. Yeah, because in in the theater it wasn't that sure. right. So you guys actually thought it was over. Well, we we weren't sure. We could only hope. And it's not yeah. like we're you know part of the Hollywood insider community or there's any Twitter or you know even Google. There was there was none of that internet stuff. So we just had to hope against hope that there was going to be another one of our favorite movies. Now, have you ever thought about if you were the director of the next movie or a remake, a reboot, whatever you want to call it? Did you have any uh, actors in mind, you know, to play any of these roles in your fantasy remake or you know, uh, f- fan uh, movie of it? No, I don't. I don't really. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not good at that. You know, as far as picking out different actors or people. You know, I would think that uh, I'd be more like along the lines of I on the story end, not necessarily what you know, how I would rewrite different lines or whatever. But like, I, like I, I wonder more in my fantasy about like, how did Marty and Doc get so close? What were they doing that Marty was the closest person to him? So almost like a prequel I'd rather see, you know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 they obviously shared, um, you know, a, 
a very, very close relationship, right? I mean, Marty is at his at Doc Brown's house. He can get into it. He can, you know, knows how to boot up that giant speaker. Um, you know, he's familiar with everything. He's got, you know, that that connection with Marty, where he's the only one who's going to be filming. Um, I, I want to know what you know. What other projects did they work on? What what else did they do together that 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 brought them so close? And, and kind of a you know a kid who doesn't like his family and doesn't relate to them. You know, here's here's a a guy who's smart and you know treats him like a, a grown up. And um, you know, how did they get there? So I'm really more about the 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 story end and you know kind of thinking outside the characters more than who I would want to play the characters. I think that's a great idea. You know, I, I would love to see how they became, you know, um, a very close family. You know, I like because I've always liked to think that, you know, why Marty uh, hung out with Doc so much is because of his dad. You know, it, it, George, you know, it was a pushover. You know, it was still bullied by Biff. And um, from what you were saying, I, I already kind of like imagined the movie would would be, you know, if you can do it, you know, present time um yeah you know in 83 maybe right right a couple years before um you know right right as their relationship is would be growing because right it was 1985 when uh right and he can't be that much younger because that that just be extremely weird so it's just got to be yeah like a few years before you know having a 10 year old kid over to his house right and we're all gonna wonder exactly and you know maybe it could start out, you know something like Stand by Me, you know where it's uh it's older Marty, you know kind of reflecting on how him and Doc met because Doc is off on an adventure with his own family, you know, and and the last yeah. time we see them together, they're presenting Marty with that picture of him and Doc in front of the the clock tower, you know how cool could it be? Marty is now in his mid twenties or something like that. He's married with Jennifer, and you know he's. He's in his man cave or something like that, and then he's looking at that picture and think back to when they actually did first meet. I think that would be a great beginning, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But oh man, that's exciting just to even think about it. You know, I I don't understand why there's not a lot of fan fiction out there. I don't know if that would taint the franchise in any way, you know, for people trying to do so many you know things different. Right. But here's a question for you: You were so so you were already a teenager when this came out. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, like, when even when maybe when part two came out, how come there were no toys? You know, how come it didn't? There's so many things that they could have done with this franchise. But, you know, my first guest and I, we talked about how the Ninja Turtles, and when it was so big, you had all different types of Ninja Turtles wearing different types of stuff. Why couldn't you have a Marty McFly action figure that wore different clothing from different era? Yeah, I, I don't you know, think like that. I don't know that particularly in my mind, as, you know, just being I guess I would I would have been slightly older than their target demo at that point, because, you know, by the time two came out, I was probably, you know, uh, early 20s, you know, 23, 24 into my college you know, years. And so it's like, OK, yeah, I want to see it. I'm probably going to see it opening weekend. And it is my favorite movie you know, a sequel to my favorite movie of all time. But, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be dressing up Marty in different outfits. You know, <laughs> maybe if I was 10 or something like that, uh, maybe if they could have built, you know, kind of the scene where he or Doc demos how the time travel is going to work. And he has that DeLorean race down the track uh, through the city and hook it and then catch on fire. You know, um, you know, if I could have had something like that, maybe a remote controlled car, like not like the real life-size DeLorean, but a, a, life, uh, a remote-controlled DeLorean 
that I probably could have got into. But I don't know that it lends itself to those type of uh, toys as much as a superhero, even if it's a Ninja Turtle uh, toy uh, uh, franchise would. There's, I mean, you got what are you going to do? Doc and cut his hair, and then yeah, I mean, there's just not that there's not much, that much type of action. You know, you almost have a have to have a fantasy. Even even Star Wars, I think, would lend itself because they were these these characters that weren't like us. You know, they they had distinct uh, outfits, and of course, there was all the aliens and all the different pieces that, that you know you get a Chewbacca and a C three PO. Those are kind of cool. Well, we just got people. You know, what are you going to have one of the gar- you know the attendants from the gas station? You know, okay, here's an attendant from the gas station. Here's a here's a hoverboard that doesn't hover. I mean, there's just not. There, I don't think it's quite as uh, I guess marketable in the in the toy range. Yeah, it's just it's just really interesting to me, but. I've the the one thing if I could get my hands on it. I mean, I have all different types of DeLoreans, all different sizes. You know, one remote control. Obviously, I've, I've lost a remote. You know, since I've had it for so long. Yeah. And my two-year-old recently kind of kind of broke the wheel. I was able to put it back together, but I don't let him play with it anymore. Yeah, it's- but I have, you know, I got the Legos. I got the kids. Exactly, uh, the Funko Pops. But yeah, I have all types of stuff. But the one thing I've always wanted was Hill Valley. Oh, just uh, Hill, Hill Valley Square, just a square. Have you have you been to the back lot, back to the future of of Universal to see that clock tower and how they revamped? Yes, yeah, just just the back lot, and you know, obviously before the fire, uh, I I, I might have been on the tour where that was shown. I think I was on it. I've seen it twice in person before before it got um, uh, burnt down. Yeah, I mean that that was, to me was obviously it looked different, and they were working on a different movie, but just because it's so iconic you know the clock tower and the steps and you know that it was just to to be there and look at it it's like it was i don't know i don't want to say mind-blowing obviously i knew it was a movie you know i wasn't wasn't you know in fantasy land but we did you know as far as like sets and other things we uh were able to search out where twin pines mall was actual a physical location um, I was out there in Orange County way – it was far away. It was probably an hour and a half drive. So we – at one point, uh, we were shooting – and I don't know that we got for the exact October 26, 1985, but we were close in being at that location, not at, not at that time. Um, but we were actually able to find – drive out there, figure out between you know where there was a JCPenney's and a Sears and that – I forget what the tire shop was, something Les Schwab or something, a Goodyear, I think, um, that, were, that you could all – you could see in that original you know the chase with the libyan scene and and doc getting shot um so we were able to actually drive out there and find that location it was just it was kind of surreal to be there it's like whoa this is actually where they were you know and we as we drive out there we have this fantasy in our head like well we're going to be there on the same day and so what a perfect place for like a cast reunion you know maybe we'll run into the cast you know, and they're all celebrating on October 26, 1985, and how cool it was. No, of course not. But we did actually get to see the location, which was awesome. That is awesome. I, I'm, I'm waiting for the U.S. to do what London is doing and having those uh, live recreations. You know, um, have you heard about that in London? Sounds interesting. So, yeah, so what they're doing is they, they have a place where they are um, going to be playing the movie on a very large screen, and this is just some really large lot where they will reenact as the movie is going along. So they'll have the DeLorean driving by the audience, the Libyans, um, you know, chasing after them. Yeah. And they just they, they they recreate all these scenes live in front of the screen for the audience in, in London. That'd be awesome. 
I think you can find. I, you know, I think that's how I found it. Was like a YouTube clip of, of this event, and it was just like, you know, it was cut up uh, as like a trailer, you know, for something coming up. And I'm just like, you know, if I could just get the money to do fly myself to London and watch this, it just looks like an amazing experience. That 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 is you know, one I would love to add to my bucket list that I'll probably never get to. Yeah, I think I think it was just just being at the event, right? Because it, I don't know how you would string together. Um, in play type format, those scenes so quickly, it almost like they'd have to stop them, or you'd have to have you know like a rotating uh, viewing place where you you know like in like in Disneyland where you would go around the gosh it was I don't even know that it's there anymore, um, but they've used the they used to have you in a rotate rotate around the stage while you were sitting in seats and you move to different parts of time and technology and invention. I, I don't remember what it was called at Disneyland. Um, but it was right next to Space Mountain. And um, so you'd need one where you as the audience are sitting in the chairs and then you kind of you know, rotate in a circle around to actually see the next scene because I don't know how they would set up all those scenes in that amount of time. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it was, there's just too many location changes that I would think they'd have a hard time with, but I'm sure they've thought about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, if I could even watch just a video uh, of the entire thing, you know that that that'd be awesome that would be for the me. best way. Yeah, like a like a like a legit reenactment. I don't know that even going to a, a Back to the Future play, a reenactment, a local community theater, I'd be like, please. I mean, being a bunch of bad actors with bad sound effects and a lot of imagination, you know, to enjoy this, and it's just going to butcher. You know, it could only hurt <laughs> the thing that I enjoy, other than bringing up memories. Uh, you know, I, but. I don't think that uh, a live stage play of Back to the Future would be all that good. Yeah, th- there's one thing that I read somewhere that I wish there was footage of this, but apparently there was uh, a fan or an actor or something that actually did a one-man pl- uh, reenactment play oh, of Back that, to the Future. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, I can see it. I can see a, a good YouTube clip of like Back to the Future in five minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You could, you could. Marty, I need the thing. Ah, da, da. You know, just kind of a, a one of those vlogger type things that's actually well produced. I could see I could see that as being interesting because it would bring up all those different pieces. Um, you know, can I play for you uh, the after the car gets crashed and Marty comes home, finds it in the driveway as it's on the uh, the wrecker or the tow truck, and then he walks in to see uh, Biff and George talking. Absolutely. Here we go. I can't believe you loaned me a car without telling me it had a blind spot. Blind spot. I could have been killed. Now, now, Biff, now, I never noticed that uh, the car had any blind spot before when I would drive it. Hi, son. But what are you, blind, McFly? It's there. How else do you explain that wreck out there? Now, Biff, um, can I, can I assume that your uh, insurance is going to pay for the damage? My insurance? It's your car. Your insurance should pay for it. I, I want to know who's going to pay for this. I spilled beer all over when that car smashed into me. Who's going to pay my cleaning bill? Uh, and uh, where's my reports? Uh, well, I haven't finished those up yet, but, you know, I, I figured since they were due to... Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Okay. Uh, think, McFly. Right. Think. I gotta have time to if I your hand 
See, I wish I'd let that one go to the next one where he, t- I mean, just, it's like I had a hard time clipping these things down because it's like, you know, the next one, I'm just not very good at confrontations, but that right. car. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even care that his dad was just, um, um, you know, having that little uh, spat with Biff. You've seen all the uh, deleted scenes? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. I kind of have the, the, the three blu-ray dvd set uh you know there the back that just shows how the t- the time frame of the original movie because there are so few deleted scenes and the ones they had were so denigrated or degraded you know because they didn't expect to keep them and they didn't put it out till for a long time after so um i i'm pretty sure i've i've seen them yeah because i i just remember the whole brittles uh peanut brittle scene that uh i think because right after that, I think they have you know, Marty and George. They're having that discussion about um, you know George needing to basically grow a pair, <laughs> and then and then a man and his daughter come to the door, and then he's like, "What do you say, McFly? I put you down for fifty boxes, you know, a peanut brittle." And then he goes to the next scene, you know, and then George is pouring the box of peanut brittle into the plate. Right, right. And that's where that came from. That's where they take it to the front to, on the table and they set it down at the table to yeah. the family. Uh-huh. Yeah, I you know I don't even remember that, but that that's a I like those continuity things, you know, what makes sense. Um, there is one clip on YouTube that I I like watching. It, apparently, during the filming of I want I want to say it's part three. I I don't remember exactly, but during the filming of uh, one of the movies, um, and it was taking place at the McFly household, uh, or the house mm-hmm. one of the neighbors I, I think it might have been the next door neighbor but one of the neighbors was fil- filming out their window of everything that was going on and it's actually a pretty good length to uh, it's probably like 15 minutes or something like that and and you know she kind of goes out there and brings out her kid to meet like michael j fox who's sitting at you know his actor's chair and things like that so that was really neat like that they still had the, that footage all this long, and then YouTube comes along and they upload it. So that's that's always uh, neat to see. That's something that a um, you know because because now people just use their phone, try to film things and upload it. Yeah. But this is like way before all that stuff. So it, it was really neat to see you know somebody's piece of pre- treasure that they're now able to share with the world. Right, and we get to, we get to uh, kind of see a little bit back behind the scenes. Now, who was going to play? Uh... Uh, Marty's character before Marty took it, Eric Stoltz. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I just I just remember that there was somebody else. Um, you know, obviously we think Marty's a great choice. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, that, that's that's all I got. Anything else? You know. Uh, well, did I, I? I didn't even tell you uh, two of the things that um, that we did that were mm, let's say a little passionate, over the top. Um, we uh, when we filmed it off the screen. 
um, we actually snuck into it was at the dollar theater so it was at the end of of the the screen time run so uh, my friend and I are like well we don't know when we're gonna get it so let's go film it off the screen and we what we did was what we had to we didn't even have a video camera like Marty had in in the back to the future one and um, so we had to go rent a video camera and it was a big one like Marty had and so we're like how do you get a video camera into a movie theater right and it's the dollar theater so they're not exactly you know watching you the whole time um so we said well if we ride our motorcycles and we wear big jackets and we carry our helmets underneath our our uh arms then they're not going to notice that we have you know this backpack on that has a video camera in it and if we sit next to the wall and prop it up on that shoulder against the wall if anybody walks through you know they're not really going to see somebody you know and you got one person playing dodge right so one person that's sitting on more on the aisle side is able to lean forward and lean back if someone walks through so we can get get the actual video off the screen and so we were able to accomplish that and uh i don't recommend that kids uh, piracy uh however i, I don't know uh, to be honest i don't even know if we ever watched it but we just wanted to be able to have it because we didn't know when we were going to be able to get the vhs version um so you know that was uh yeah that was something that maybe if we had had girlfriends you know, maybe we wouldn't have uh, spent so much time chasing Back to the Future and spending all those times in the theater watching it over and over and over again. But, uh, you know, that was, we were certainly, it was, it was a mission. It was almost like just something that we wanted to try to accomplish. And once we accomplished it, it's like, okay, well, we got the movie if we want it. And uh, so that, that was enough for us because we didn't want it to go away. We didn't want it not to be available. We wanted to be able to watch it, continue to watch it, even if they took it out of the theaters. So that was, that was, uh, that was that was a good time. I don't know that I'm. It's one of my proudest moments, but it is a moment that uh, that did happen. So, where is that tape now? Oh gosh, uh, I'm sure it's. I probably I probably do have it. I probably do have it. Um, you know, I, I I've, I've thrown away most VHS tapes um, and most cassette tapes, or gotten rid of them, or whatever. But that that one probably would stick around if it was labeled well. Uh, I, that's not one that I would that I would record over. But what awful! Who would sit through it? That would be horrible. The sound. I would absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, now it's the same version that was on the screen. It's 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 just uh, awful recording of it. So yeah. again, again, when it went out to the Back to the Future, it came to uh, Universal Studios. It was you know a, a big deal for us. Uh, but just going to the Back to the Future. Exhibition and taking the picture with the DeLorean and all those things wasn't really enough for us. We wanted, you know, like we talked about, we went to the back, you know, when you ride around and you see the jaws and the fire and the rest of it, you take the big tram around and you see the, the, the psycho house and the studio and all the different, you know, places that you see when you go on that Universal uh, Studios tour on the tram. Uh, well, when we took that ride, we Back to the Future was was popular enough to where, um, you know, when you sit on the tram, you kind of face straight away, right? You straight uh, straight across from you. So mm -hmm. you're not looking forward like on a regular bus. You're looking um, out the side. Well, up above each one of those seats was uh, different stills from a variety of movies. And one of the variety, one of the movies that they featured was Back to the Future. So there was probably eight, um, uh, eight by ten, full color, glossy uh 
pictures up above in the in the rack above like the person who's sitting across from me above their head. They were all laminated together and kind of popped in to a display unit. Right. So or a frame. So they were kind of sandwiched in there, you know, held by clips at the top and the bottom. And so we looked at those on that tour and we're like, oh, my gosh, color back to the future pictures. How do we get a hold of them? You know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, we obviously can't jump up in the middle of a tram ride and rip them off the the uh, ceiling. But if we could find where the trams are kept, maybe there's a way we could get into that tram area and, you know, we might be able to get the pictures. So we spent the whole day walking around the edge of Universal Studios looking for that, the tram storage area, because we figured they had to keep them somewhere and they probably weren't going to keep them too far away, right? So um, what, what we did was uh, we found that part of the park where there was a chain link fence by a bathroom and down a hill and um, across a, a little road uh, and another fence was where they kept all of the trams. And so we spied and we kind of, you know, we cased the joint a little bit. And uh, we, we figured out, you know, some of the timing of the trams as they come and go in the areas that they were. And so we, like ninjas, man, we just hopped the fence at the right timing, um, you know, hiding. And there was one point where when we got in the tram yard, we actually hid underneath the tram, slid ourselves underneath um, where the wheels were because trams were coming in to park and rotate. So as soon as we got a, a clear, um, we jumped up and grabbed some of those pictures and pulled them off the, the um, tram. Now, kids, don't try this at home um, because this is uh, actually stealing. But we did it, and so I'll, I'll admit it. And uh, so we wrapped them up, put them at like, you know, in the, in the flat part of your back where your, um, you know, belt is, you know, behind us. And then we scrambled back up the up the hill, back over the fences, sweaty, um, you know, dirty. You know, nobody gets dirty and sweaty at the at the at the Universal Studios Park. So we thought we were done for. But we actually made it and we had those pictures. Now, those pictures are probably still there because I ended up separating them all. And I don't know if I put any in frames, but they definitely followed me through my all my different college places that I live, the apartments and the dorms. And I, you know, I was able to put those up and, and uh, show my fandom to Back to the Future with things that nobody else had. Mm. And I didn't get arrested. Oh, that's, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let, me, uh, uh, let me play one, one scene that I like um, because I think it's the only time in my mind that Back to the Future kind of cheats. They kind of trick you when marty uh, you know gets hit by the car uh for after saving his dad george from being hit um he ends up asleep upstairs with lorraine and um I, when i say cheats you if you uh, we've all listened to her she, that voice is not lorraine's voice that's lorraine's mom's voice that she's putting on when she wakes you've been asleep almost nine hours that's not how lorraine talks when she wakes him up and calls him calvin klein so um i just thought i'd play that right here Is that you? You're there now. Just relax. You've been asleep for almost nine hours now. Had a horrible nightmare. Dreamed that I went back in time. It was terrible. Well, safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 
You're my mom. My name is Lorraine. Lorraine Bates? Yeah. But you're... Uh, you're so... Uh, you're so... Thin. Just relax, Calvin. You've got a big bruise on your head. Where are my pants? Over there. On my hope chest. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why? Why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Ah. <clears throat> oh, I guess they call you Cal. No, actually, people call me Marty. Oh. Pleased to meet you, Calvin. Marty. Why? Do you mind if I sit here? No, fine. No, good. Fine. Good. That's a, a big bruise you have there. Oh, oh. oh, Lorraine, are you up there? Oh, my God, it's my mother. Quick. Put your pants back on. So I don't know how many times we uh, we we would say, does anybody ever fall over putting their pants on? I mean, does that ever? I don't care how fast, how much of a hurry I've ever been in, but I don't think I've ever put one foot in my pants and fallen over. But it was a great a great bit of physical comedy. It, it is. Yeah, I, I I like to believe it is possible. You know, he's done just different. You know, bad angle and and it. have you done it? Ah, uh, I don't believe so. No, of course not. It's <laughs> the last thing you're gonna do. But it was it was a great movie scene because he's so torn up about my ma, my ma, thin. Yeah, so uh, she she was hilarious. But you're right. I've never caught that because they they do try to fool you. Um, you know, with the voice because mm-hmm. once the light comes on, like she completely changes her demeanor. Right. right. You know, you're teenager Lorraine. Yeah, 1955. What? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the last things, and, and I didn't even remember this till I started, started talking about it. But again, this was before the Internet and before all the other things. But there's a scene when Marty is leaving Doc Studio and he's headed to school, right? In one of the opening scenes, right? He just, he just blew himself up with the guitar and the explosion and he rides to school, right? He hops on a skateboard, which, by the way, Back to the Future brought skateboarding back um, from the dead, um, skateboarding was there. It was not well, had had kind of gone away, and um, Back to the Future brought it back to um, actually just using it for like I I used a skateboard all the way through college as transportation. I wasn't a tricks and doing stuff. I could do a little bit, but I couldn't do anything um, that you know like ride pipes or or you know go up and spin around and ollie and all that other stuff. But Back to the Future did bring. Uh, skateboarding back uh, just to the to the common man, uh, but as he so as he finds his way right, he grabs onto that jeep. I don't know if you if you remember where he he is is using it to transport himself to school. Right, he's hanging on. Mm-hmm. The, the guy turns around and he has a back. He has a uh, Mountain Dew hat on. Right. I loved, I loved as much as I love Back to the Future. I also loved Mountain Dew at the time, and that was my that was my drink of choice. And so I actually lived near a Pepsi bottling plant. And I tried like hell to get a Mountain Dew hat 
because I thought, man, that would blend two of my favorite things, right? And Back to the Future, I would, for me, I would always know that this Mountain Dew hat was really a an homage to Back to the Future, my love of Back to the Future, because the Mountain Dew hat was in the movie. I'd never seen one before. And so I called the bottling plant. I would, everywhere I would go, I would look. There was no on, uh, you know, online, so you couldn't, every catalog, I'd be like, man, I just want a, a Mountain Dew hat. I don't know where I can get me a stupid Mountain Dew hat because it would be Back to the Future. A Mountain Dew would be awesome. Um, so I, you know, I tried going into the bottling plant. They're like, we don't have, what am I, I can't, I'm not going to sell you a shirt. I got 80 cases of Coke if you, or Pepsi if you want, but I, I don't got a stupid hat with Mountain Dew on it. So, um, you know, someday I'm going to get me, actually I did. I ended up getting a Mountain Dew hat. I ended up trading. No, I paid a guy like 25 bucks for it. Some kid got one, um, when, uh, my kid was like five years old and, uh, he got it. I forget how he got it as a gift and he didn't care. And I'm like, dude, I will give you 25 bucks. Everybody's like, well, 25 bucks, that's a lot of money. Cause I guess it was, it was overpaying, but I'm like, I need that hat. I'll, <laughs> he could have said a hundred bucks and I would have given him a hundred bucks for that stupid Mountain Dew hat because I, it was like the, the, oh, the Holy Grail for me. I just wanted to have a Mountain Dew hat so I could be like that guy in Back to the Future and, and, uh, wear that hat. So that was my last little bit. But you never bought a Jeep though. Well, we did have a Jeep, but it wasn't oh. Grand Cherokee. But it was not for that reason. And no, I haven't owned a DeLorean either. But I'm thinking about getting a train. If it can fly, I want a train. You know, uh, I remember seeing pictures of you in Hawaii recently. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife and I, we got married in Maui. But, uh, you know, we've been together for over 13 years now. And, like, early on, I've always told her, like, yeah, you know, if, you know, you know when we get married, I, I would love to drive off in a DeLorean. And then when, when we decided that we were going to get married in Hawaii, it didn't seem like it was going to be possible, unfortunately. So that was one thing I wanted to do was to be able to drive off in a DeLorean. Um, That's what anniversaries just, are for. You can do that one on an anniversary. There you go. I, I did take a selfie inside a DeLorean during the uh, Portland uh, Wizard World Comic Con. So I got to do that. You got you got it. I, yeah, I got the selfie. Um um, but back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, offering, uh, you know, this kid $25 for a hat, that's kind of a, a, a th that people don't do anymore because, cause now with eBay, you can get just about anything you want. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But yeah, you telling that story kind of made me think about, I think there was a time when, um, somebody had something that I just really wanted and I knew that I probably wouldn't be able to to find it anywhere else or get the opportunity in offering money, you know, so that, that's not a thing people do anymore. And that's, no. that's just crazy. I n I've never even thought about that. Yeah, Cause there was no, we couldn't get any memorabilia or anything. I mean, I, I got, because again, I had that movie connection. I got the, the, once the the posters went down in the theaters, you know the ones they still use actually to this day, they put up posters to to show you what movies are showing or coming up, or you know they used to have them in video stores when they would release a video, and so I had some of those Back to the Future posters. Uh, but that it was about as far as you could get. And you couldn't even just go buy those. You had to know somebody who worked at the store who it was in the back and they weren't going to use it and they could find a way to get it to you. Um, so, yeah, any, and when people know that you're so stupidly passionate about something and they could give a rip, if they see something that would matter to you, um, they'll, they'll find, I guess if you're a nice person, <laughs> they want to support you. And, and, uh, so there were different, you know, I would always get different magazines open up to this page. Oh, look, there's a back to the future, whatever. Um, and, uh, so people would of, often draw it to my attention, but nobody was going to get me that back to the future, uh, Mountain Dew hat. Cause I, I wanted it so badly.
Hey, happy happy 30th uh, Back to the Future. You guys have made an iconic iconic movie that uh, uh, brings people together. We all have that shared shared experience of what Back to the Future means to us, and it, it means something different to a lot of us, but uh, really there are some amazing themes that hold true to this day. I can show that movie to uh, any, any generation, you know, from my parents to my kids uh, to my generation. So it, it spans the generations and stands the test of time. And um, we thank you so much for 30 years and going of entertainment. Um, it really has uh, influenced and uh, seeped into the fabric of my life and I know so many others. Hello, I'm Albie from the Quantum Leap Podcast, and I'm so excited to be on Hydrate Level 4. I'm a listener, and I love it. And I love talking about Back to the Future, so I'm very excited. Thank you. And what does Back to the Future mean to you, and why is it one of your favorite movies of all time? For me, it is my favorite movie of all time. I think it's the perfect movie. If you look at a lot of movies throughout history, there's a lot of flaws in a lot of movies. But there's very few movies you can watch over and over again, and they're just perfect. Like um, Back to the Future, Casablanca, The Breakfast Club. To me, those are like perfect movies. And I just love the feeling I get when I watch Back to the Future. I probably literally watched it thousands of times. I wasn't fortunate enough to see it in the theater when I was a kid. So my first viewing was, I want to say... It was NBC Night at the Movies played it, probably in 87, 88, 89. I'm not sure of the date. But the next day, I loved the movie so much, I rode my bicycle up to the local Mega Mart and bought the VHS copy of it. And that was the universal VHS copy of it. And I watched that VHS on repeat so much that the tape actually wore out. It lost its magnetic information on it. So I had a... This is probably a year or so later. I had to go out and buy another copy on VHS because that's all there was. And uh, I wore that one out too. And how would you rank this compared to the other um, you know, big trilogies such as like Godfather or Star Wars or certain extent Matrix? Oh, it's uh, by far the best, I think. It's, I, I'm addicted to these three movies, and I watch them over and over again. I have them on... DVD, Laserdisc, Blu-ray, and uh, I watch them once a year. We have a saying in, in this house around here, whenever it gets close to October, we always say October is inventory month, which is the first line from Back to the Future Part 1. Mm-hmm. And we actually celebrate Back to the Future all October. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but we'll watch the movies over and over again, and we'll do different things. And you, you know I have uh, Back to the Future shirts and shoes and costumes, and we really make a big deal out of it all month. That's pretty awesome. Did you ever own the um, the movies in Betamax? I have been looking for them. Of course, they're on eBay and stuff, but uh, the only Betamax I own right now is Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I want to say The Music Man. The Music Man. I'm not familiar with that. It's an old musical, okay. <laughs> but I found it in a Goodwill, and I was like, a dollar, sure. Why not? Uh, and I have a Betamax player, but hardly ever use it. Yeah. Um, do you, who are your favorite characters and why? Um, besides the obvious, you know, Doc and Marty, um, I really love uh, Lorraine Baines McFly, played by Leah Thompson. I had a big crush on her when I was a young teenager. And uh, 
after Back to the Future and watching it so many times, I think she was my first crush probably. And uh, from that, I went to other Leah Thompson movies like Howard the Duck and Space Camp and Casual Sex, I think, was out at the same time. And I would just watch every Leah Thompson thing I could because I couldn't get enough of her. I just had a big crush on her. And even though she played Marty's mom, she was kind of the hot chick in the movie. You know, Jennifer was not in it much. Right. You you were her density. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what were some of your favorite scenes? My favorite scenes? Uh, wow. Like the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, whew, if I had a... Hmm. I, I like the action and adventure ones, like when he's on the skateboard and uh, Biff is chasing him. And I like um, towards the end where they're trying to get the DeLorean started and trying to make the right timing for the lightning bolt. And that's pretty exciting. But I just like pretty much the conversations between Doc and Marty throughout the whole film. And I love when uh, Marty and Doc are talking about two separate things like the Earth's gravitational pull and stuff being heavy and it's just great. And I don't think there's a bad part of that movie, so that's a hard question. Yeah. Um, how about some of your favorite quotes and and um, like fun trivia facts uh, about the movie? Favorite quotes? Uh, uh, who is that? Tra- uh, who is that transformer that just repeats lines from things? Uh, the one that plays on the radio, right? Music. Yeah, little clips. That one I, I couldn't tell you. Well, I'm like that with Back to the Future. Pretty much I've got all the lines memorized, so if something appropriate comes up, like even if I cut my hand, I'll say, damn it, man, I sliced my hand. Oh, nice. If somebody comes up to me and asks me for directions, I always tell them it's a block past Maple. <laughs> I'm sure I've gotten a lot of people lost. Uh, if somebody says John F. Kennedy, I say, who the hell's John F. Kennedy? I mean, really, I, it, probably a sickness at this point, but I enjoy it. That's pretty funny. Um, how about <laughs> trivia? I, I kind of threw one at you, um, you know, during one of your viewings that I, I actually learned from one of the books that I own uh, about Back to the Future. And uh, basically the scene where Doc is uh, confronted by the Libyans and they have the gun uh, pointed at him and he throws his pistol. And in the background, you can see like somebody running, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I just saw that because you had asked me about that. It looks to me like somebody just trying to go to work in the morning because I know they shot that real late at night, early in the morning but when the mall wasn't open. So I'm thinking somebody went in to open the JCPenney and they just happened to be in the movie because they didn't look concerned about what was going on in the parking lot. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I thought it, it might have been somebody that worked on the on the, on the the movie. You know, It could man, be. I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. But I love little things like that. There's a lot of things in Back to the Future that hundreds of times in I had never noticed, like the whole Twin Pine Mall thing and it turns into Lone Pine Mall. When, when I think I discovered that when the DVD set came out, and it kind of blew my mind. And uh, believe it or not, I didn't know that they switched Jennifers from Claudia Wells to Elizabeth Shue at probably a hundred or few times after I watched Back to the Future 2 and somebody told me. I was like, no. And I went back and watched them both, and I was like, how did I miss that? What age were you at that time? Uh, hmm, whenever hmm, – how – Maybe about 15 years ago, so I want to say 25. Oh, wow. Because I met a guy that I worked with, and he was even a bigger Back to the Future fan than I was. He had a 1985 coin collection, a 1955 coin collection, an 1885 coin collection. And he got me into collecting currency from different years, just in case we accidentally both time travel. Right. (laughs) As you would. 
And uh, for years, we kept looking for 2015 coins, and we'd go into coin stores and, you know, get the old ones, and we'd ask him if he's got any 2015 ones in the back, you know, that he doesn't let anybody else have. Right. But, of course, this year, we're getting a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I think you were saying something else before the coins, too. Oh, no, like, uh, the whole Jessica thing. Oh, not Jessica. Uh, oh, um, Claudia Wells, Elizabeth Shue? Jennifer. Jennifer, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's amazing that um, it, uh, it took you that long to realize because, you know, as a kid, because uh, one of the other movies I grew up watching was Karate Kid. Mm. So that's why I was like, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Shue from Karate Kid and Claudia Wells. I only knew her from this movie. Mm. And um, do you have a preference in Jennifer Parker's? I want to say Elizabeth Shue. Just because uh, you see her more, and I don't know, just uh, I think I'm used to her. Because mm-hmm. when Back to the Future Two came out, I saw it in the theater, and I probably watched that one more times more recently than Part One. Although since the DVD set came out and Blu-rays, I, I just watch them one after another, all three at once. I like make a night of it. But uh, yeah, I just I think my brain just assumed. Well, it's been what eight, ten years between movies. She probably aged a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I, I've always kind of preferred the Claudia Wells, and mm-hmm. I think that's only because, again, when I see Elizabeth Shue, I associate her from Adventures in Babysitting and Karate right? Kid. I know, so it's really tough for me to separate that. And so I've always like, you know, could have been just Claudia Wells, and I know I think she had um, like her grandmother or somebody was sick, mm-hmm. and she wasn't able to return. Yeah, I heard something like that. that. Didn't she come back for the Back to the Future video game recently and play herself? Uh, you know that I'm not sure. I did. I did attempt those games. <laughs> uh, couldn't get far. I got stuck with. Um, I think Doc was stuck in jail, and yeah. I couldn't get past that. So I just continued on to the next episode. <laughs> I <laughs> well, gave up a little easily. A little thing about me: I'm a child of the '80s, so I grew up with an Atari 2600, which had a joystick and a button. I had one of the Ataris. I don't know which one. So the newer games are a little bit more difficult for me. So I bought it. I tried to play it. And then I downloaded the video from YouTube of somebody playing the whole thing right through. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed the story that way. And you just watched it. I should do that. Yeah. I mean, it was either take, you know, a few weeks to try to beat it myself or just watch the nine-hour video on YouTube. Right. And, And it was a really good story. I was really happy with what they did with it. Yeah, it's it's um, it started off in 1986, mm-hmm. and then he goes back to save Doc, and you get to see Doc as a young man. Yeah, it's it's great to see the old speakeasies and everything going on. Yeah, back in the 30s. Now, have you ever had any fantasy castings? Hmm. What about even um, you know, for example, how Marty went back to see young Doc in the in the video games? Like, who could have been a young Doc? You know, I actually spoke to somebody about this before, and uh, my fantasy casting for Doc Brown um, now would be Hugh Laurie. Mm, that would be good. Yeah, I, you know, just because I was a big fan of House, and that was the that was when I was like, you know what, he, I think he'd be a great Doctor Brown. Love House, and yeah, I think he could pull it Brown. off really well. Yeah, and the problem the problem is, I I had a Marty, but now it's been so long; he's grown up. <laughs> uh, but it was Anton Yelchin, you know, when he oh, came out in yeah. Alpha Dog. Oh um, yeah. I, well, I know him from Star Trek 2009. Well, yes, yes. Um, he would make a great Marty. Yeah, I think I was more sold when he came out with the movie Charlie Partlet or mm-hmm. something. Um, that's when 
you know, I saw a little bit more range, and uh, I think it's great. Um, but with him in Star Trek, I'm not too familiar with the, the character he was playing, so I don't know if he honored the character. I think he did pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah so he, he got the accent down pretty well. Th- those two, would would um, him and Hugh Laurie, would have been my two mains. Now, I've, I've always tried to think about Biff, and I can never come up with one. And the only one I could think of that's the same size, but this would be probably like the worst casting ever would be Channing Tatum. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's big and can be intimidating, especially uh, compared to Anton Yelchin. He so, could do it. You think so? I don't know. Part four? Mm. He'd have to have his shirt off part of the movie. Yeah, he would have to. <laughs> <laughs> do some dancing. Now, have you ever... in? Um, I thought of like some type of fan fiction, like what would happen if there were to be another movie? Would would it be a continuation? Would it be a a reboot? Would it be um, a spinoff of one of the other characters? Kind of like how they did the animated series with Jules and Verne. Love the animated series. Yeah. I was able to pick those up at a comic book convention. They're bootlegs because they're not out except on Laserdisc, and I'm still trying to bid on those to find them. I think a couple VHS copies came out, but I've watched those a whole bunch. I love them because they got Bill Nye in them. Mm -hmm. But I think if they were to do another one, I would like to see a part four because just because if they rebooted and redid part one, it would kind of be like what they do with Spider-Man where you see the origin story over and over again, and it's kind of boring. Right. Uh, One of my previous guests, he mentioned um, what if we saw, uh, you know, how Dr. Marty became friends. Oh, yeah, that would be great. I always wonder about that because, you know, when Marty meets Doc, he has no idea what's going to happen. But Doc knows exactly what's going to happen, and he's waiting for that day for it to happen probably. There could be. And, you know, because when we first meet Marty, he's 17 years old. Like, how long have they been friends? Because it's a little weird, right, if if he was younger <laughs> than maybe fi- younger than 15. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm just thinking his parents – don't know that he's friends with this older man and uh he's just some strange guy that was probably nice to him uh because he knew who he was and took him under his wing kind of and said yeah let me show you this cool thing i did let me show you this thing perhaps uh marty was skateboarding one day and saw doc unloading a an extremely large speaker <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they became friends you know why was there an extremely large speaker and a really tiny guitar <laughs> Just so it could explode. And it looked like to me that he's done this repeatedly a whole bunch of times maybe. And uh, this is the first time it blew up and knocked him back. But uh, I'm thinking since Doc wasn't there, this was the first time he turned it all the way up. Yeah, I I, I like to think so. Yeah, just uh, very interesting. And so what are some of the, um, as early as you can remember, what were some of the things that you caught on? Um, like from watching the movie, you, you mentioned the Lone Pines, mm-hmm. um, and and Jennifer Parker being two different actresses a little bit later in life. Um, but as early as you can remember, what was there anything that stuck out that you're like, that's awesome that they did that? Um, I, I think one of the first things I noticed about the movie that maybe wasn't supposed to be in the movie was that when Einstein's in the DeLorean and Doc Brown is supposedly remote controlling it there's a driver wearing a big dog costume sitting in the driver's seat 
I've never really noticed that. I'm <laughs> really? Okay. Now that I've told you, every time you watch it, you'll see the guy wearing a dog suit. He's wearing a dog costume driving the car. It's very silly. I'm, I'm sure I looked at it and just never really paid, you know, any attention to it, really. But about Aini, I do have a friend that has a nitpick with that scene. Okay. Because Doc sends Aini one minute into the future, but he never sends him back one, <laughs> to one minute. So there's a one-minute um, timeline difference somewhere where Aini does not exist. Wow. And for whatever reason, that bugs the heck out of my friend. And, and I stood there, and I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> you know, like, I, I get it. But really, that takes you out of the movie that much. That wouldn't bother me. It never bothered me, and I don't think it would bother me now. I want to I think to myself that when and if Einstein dies in the future from natural causes, mm-hmm. he lived an extra minute yeah. than he would have. Yeah, you got to see a minute into the future. Uh, speaking of that scene, I love with the two uh, stopwatches, the different times, and the movie that just came out, I think it might be coming out on Blu-ray DVD soon if it's not, Project Almanac. They mm-hmm. kind of pay homage to that scene with two different stopwatches like that, which oh, was nice. pretty cool. That That's on my two-watch list for sure. Um, oh, I, that... think, I think you... Um... You recommended Predestination, I think, on Facebook or something. Mm, that's and a great I, one. Yeah, I actually did pick it up, but it's still wrapped up on my coffee table. It's worth it's, a watch, but you got to really pay attention to it. It'll blow oh, your yeah. mind. Oh, yeah. I, I, I plan on doing so, but um, I, I remember you you know, sharing that. I'm like, okay, I think I'll pick it up. I don't know yeah. if you can tell, but I like time travel stuff. I do, too. You know, <laughs> that's the only reason I got into it, you know. Um, you know, you do the Quantum Leap podcast, and that's a, another you know reason why I'm a huge fan of that. And Quantum Leap is my Back to the Future on TV. So yeah, yeah I just I just love everything time travel, and I'll give it uh, you know anything a watch. I mean, you you have mentioned this on your show, but I am also a fan of Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh yeah, that's I, a great I, film. Yeah, I own that on DVD. It's, the only problem I have with that movie, maybe a little bit more than one, but um, Nicholas Cage's voice is <laughs> is the biggest issue I have of that. But I do love Jim Carrey in that role, and mm-hmm. you know, I I had a phase where I I don't think I had a crush on Kathleen Turner, but I really liked her. I and... want to say I had a crush on her when I was younger. I think it was the voice, but she was always older, and you know manly looking so i don't know what that says about me wasn't she jessica rabbit yes the voice right she had a great voice when i don't i guess it's a years of cigarettes abuse who knows but uh (laughs) just made for a great voice and i think the voice made her sexy that and the way she carried herself i don't think it helped when she became chandler's father (laughs) (laughs) now did you have any um what was the early did you ever go to um Universal Studios or or uh, Orlando, um, get on the ride. Do you have any stories about stuff like that and, and memorabilia that was on sale? Or I live about two and a half hours away from Universal Studios. Lucky. Yes, very lucky. And I went there probably a month after they opened. I know it was the first year they opened. And there was very few things. And I always had a year pass from the time I was, I want to say, 10 until they closed the Back to the Future ride. So every few months I would go to Universal Studios and the first ride I would go on would be Back to the Future that day and the last ride of the day would be Back to the Future. And if there was no line on the ride, I would go repeatedly until I was probably motion sick. 
And I love that ride. And I love the whole stories that they did for the monitors leading up to the ride. And I like the whole ride itself. And, uh, I think that's what got me into laser discs originally because I collect laser discs for some reason. But I found out from one of the people who work there that all the videos were on laser discs that they played. So uh, I really love that place, and I would buy one thing every time I went. Might be a T-shirt, might be a bank, might be a little model car, or something. And uh, that was my obsession. And when they closed it down, I was there the last month. I wasn't there when Huey Lewis and the News was there. Mm-hmm. I missed them by a few days because they were there for the send-off of the ride. But mm. I went on the Simpsons ride afterwards, and I go on there every once in a while until my pass ran out. And I didn't renew it because no more Back to the Future. But every time I went on, I would say, is this the Back to the Future ride? To the teenage kid that worked there, and they would be like, no, it's the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy I was talking about earlier, we both went with our Back to the Future t-shirts and stood in front of the Simpsons ride with really sad faces. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Because I think they—that's um, the same ride that replaced the one in California. Yeah, and, I I love The Simpsons, but come on, Back to the Future versus The Simpsons, no right. question. I mean, and I understand that they're still going on, but I mean, I—I I, I don't know. I, I think Back to the Future holds up better and has a, you know, a bigger, mm, a, a, a bigger appreciation, you know, from mm-hmm. you know, a bigger fan base and and all that good stuff. But the last time I went on it, I think I was uh, a teenager, and I think I was able to go on it at least four times because it was in the evening. So, mm-hmm. you know, the crowd has died down a little bit, and we were getting ready to leave ourselves. And, like, well, if I, I, if I can squeeze in a few more, I will do so. And they allowed me to go on the ride. I got out, and there was no lines. I got back in again. Oh, awesome. And then the next time I went was probably way uh, much much later you know after phoenix was born and he must have been i want to say he was about four years old and the rule uh, at the time for us was if no one can if no one's tall enough to get on a ride we will not get on mm, that's nice and unfortunately this was going to be the last time i would be able to see the back to the future ride or even be on it and phoenix was not tall enough and i did not go on um, and I was a good sport about it, but my wife did feel bad for me, you know, who was then my, my then girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever told him that story <laughs> and if he would feel bad about it, but you know, I mean, we, we made that rule. If, if it was very nice. Yeah. If, if he was not tall to get on it, then I, I shouldn't be able to enjoy it too. Cause it's, it's not fair. Um, me, I probably would have said, I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be back in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> I should have said that. But you know what? With the Blu-rays, we get to see the video at least. That is the best part. And I want to say maybe I heard it from you that isn't there like some kind of chair you can buy to go with this video and it's extremely expensive? Yeah. What do they call that? Uh, D-movie or something? I have no idea. I forget, but I, it does have the track on it to where it, if you have it hooked up to your couch, it'll shake your chair or your couch. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's got to be a lot of money. I, I'd rather save that money toward the DeLorean. Oh, right. Um, did you, have you gone on the Back to the Future ride now that it's a Simpsons ride? No, I have not. It's something you should do just once to, to follow the story because they tell the origin story of the Simpsons ride. And they have animated Back to the Future characters and oh. the whole story of how Doc Brown lost the ride to, I think, Sideshow Bob or Krusty the Clown. I'm not sure. 
but oh, wow, but they're actually in it. And um, the guy who does the voice for uh, the animated series did it for the intro videos while you're waiting in line. So that's something to check out for a okay. Back to the Future fan. We're hoping to go next year. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I mean, because yeah, it's definitely not two and a half hours for us. <laughs> Where are you living now? Portland, Oregon. Oh, that's yeah. a pretty place. I see that a lot on Instagram from yeah. some people I follow. Portlandia, you know, is mm-hmm. filmed here. Grim, mm-hmm. um, though I'm sure it's not portrayed as as pretty uh, <laughs> on, on Grim. I'd imagine. Um, I I find that a lot of people like to film in Portland because it's gloomy, mm. you know. But the, I mean, in the summer it's beautiful. So is the spring. Um, but it, I want to say Anaheim, like the last time we went to Disneyland, I think that was about either 14 or 16 hours. Oh, man. And I'm not sure how much further Universal Studios is from there. Mm-hmm. But that's still quite a bit of a drive. And when we yeah. went, my wife drove one hour of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drive the whole way, but it's only uh, two and a half hours. Right. I, I, I can do that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't complain about that drive anymore now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any other stories about, did you do anything mischievous, uh, you know, sneaking in numerous times? Or how, do you remember how, wait, you said you didn't watch it in the theater, right? You waited for the VHS. Not the first one, but part two, I watched it three times that day that it came out in the theater. I walked oh, up wow. to the box office and I said, I'll take a ticket for every show. Oh, wow. Okay. So I did that. And uh, I also did that with part three. Mischievous? Uh, well, the... The days before the internets where you could find stuff that you might not be supposed to find, what I would do for Back to the Future 2 and 3 is I brought a little tape recorder, like a mini cassette recorder, and put it in my top pocket. So even though I watched it three times that day, I could go home and listen to it again and again. That's what I did with the first movie with my dad's um, stereo. Mm -hmm. I I recorded all of that on, on a cassette tape, and I would listen to it to bed. I did that as well, and the tape always stopped and flipped when Marty McFly was chasing his dad, George McFly, down the street uh, when George McFly was going to his house right before he met Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. I wouldn't even remember, to, to be honest, and and I feel that's that's where um, you know someone who's a little bit older when when those came out, like you mm-hmm. would have a clearer memory of that, and I feel like you know since I was so, so young, I, I don't remember, but. That's only one of my biggest memories of, of Back to the Future was, you know, listening to the cassette at, you know, in bed. Um, I didn't get to watch the first one in the movie theaters probably until uh, just a few years ago. You know, maybe I want to say 2010, mm. you know, so it took me a while to actually get to see that one. But two and three, I definitely saw in the movie theaters and I was definitely not at an age where I was able to purchase multiple tickets to go again as <laughs> you know as much as I would have wanted to but I definitely got those on VHS when they came out and I was um I was counting down to the day it would come out on DVD they on the website they had a countdown clock as well and I want to say this was back in 2002 and uh you know I I said on this day I will be the first one in line to make sure that I get my copy so I made sure I got up extremely early. I went to Target as soon as they opened, and I was the only one there to, <laughs> to buy these movies on DVD. So, uh, but I feel that you know the time. I think it's a little bit different now. Now I think the yeah. Blu-rays were a bigger deal mm-hmm. um, when those came out, and and uh, it's still such an amazing franchise that 
when I when I got the chances uh, more chances to go watch part one in the theater, the crowd is actually a pretty good turn turnout. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's about three quarters full or something. I'm hoping they do a thirtieth uh, anniversary re-release of the trilogy. You know how they play the old movies lately, so I ho- I'm hoping they do that in October. They yeah they um, I know in town in Portland one of the theaters did play all three of them uh, back in March wow uh, because awesome. it is the year of it at least right yeah um, so but I, I yeah I gotta imagine that in October that there's probably gonna be a few more popping up somewhere um, I, go ahead I did something similar to that when the VHS of Back to the Future 2 came out back then there were these places where you could go and rent movies they were called like blockbusters and Hollywood videos I think yeah. And uh, when they did that, the they would charge an outrageous amount on the street date of the movies for the VHS copies because they wanted all the rental places that wanted them on the first day that they were available to pay an arm and a leg for these movies. They kind of like price gouged them. And I remember I wanted Back to the Future on the day it came out on VHS, even though it was $129. I bought it. And this was with wow. like – um, money I saved up as a kid and allowance and mowing lawns and doing odd jobs. And I, my parents are like, you don't want to spend that much money on a videotape. I said, it's back to the future, mom. <laughs> and I did it. And a few weeks later, it was in the store for, what, $19. And I was like, oh. But I had yeah. it that couple weeks early. <laughs> I, you know what? I worked at Blockbuster, and that was a thing. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, just some of the movies because they there was no home release they were able to charge that much um and and then obviously after after a certain amount of time um then the then you were able to buy them for 20 bucks mm. but that that is ridiculous 130 dollars i had convinced i was a teenager i was wheeling and dealing and making things happen and i had convinced uh companies that i was a video rental place so i would get free screeners sometimes oh wow like uh, my first one I got was a Warlock, and you know on VHS and would say underneath it, "This is a screener only for trial copy to see if you would buy it or something." Right. And uh, that's where I got the Back to the Future Part Two. Oh, I think. Awesome. But I know it was ridiculous. Uh, what was one of your first toys from Back to the Future? I know Burger King did Happy Meal toys or whatever their version of Happy Meals are, right? I do remember that. Weren't they kind of the um, those vehicles? So if you pull them backwards, and yeah. they'll, they'll get off on their own. Then didn't the DeLorean light up too? Like sparked? It might have. I, th- I think they were the tie-in for the animated series at the time. So I would say yes, those would have been my so. first yeah. toys. But as an adult with a job, every time I would go to a store and see a you know, always the scale models of the different versions of the DeLoreans. I would buy those. Um, I have so much stuff. Uh, my favorite thing is the the boots like you have from Back to the Future Part 2. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I always buy T-shirts. If I see a T-shirt with Back to the Future, anything on it, I buy that. Um, we have a DeLorean factory. I don't know if you call it a factory, but a guy in Naples, Florida, which is about a half hour away from where I am, um, bought a lot of the tools and molds and dyes to make DeLoreans, and he bought the rights to make DeLoreans. So you can actually buy a new oh, wow. DeLorean. It was in the newspaper locally. That's why I found out about it. And uh, he builds them one at a time, and he'll build a DeLorean for people that can afford them. And uh, 
he has a showroom and you, you go there and they have every back to the future thing you can think of. And there's about 20, 25 DeLoreans in the parking lot. Holy cow. I wonder if I follow him on Instagram. Might. I don't know. There, but uh, you can, you know, Google the video on YouTube or oh, wow. or something. But there's a video of, like, the different DeLoreans he has. But uh, that was a great day because I spent my whole day dressed like Marty McFly posing in front of different DeLoreans. And he's like, uh, are you going to buy one, kid? I'm like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> now, uh, the shoes uh, that you're talking about, I, I wore that to the uh, Wizard World Comic Con here in Portland. And the batteries died on me about halfway through the day. Yeah. What I do is I don't turn them on until I'm going into wherever I want people to go, wow, you got light-up shoes. Are yeah, those from I, Back to the Future? Because that, that's the question all the time. So, Or I'll, I'll wait till it's dark in an arena when I go see a show or something and I'll turn the lights on. But, yeah, they yeah. don't last too long. But, hey, they're, they're really cool Back to the Future shoes. They are. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, in lines, and that's probably why I kept them on because, you know, I was out in the middle of, you know, of the floor and people were seeing me. I saw people, like, pull out their cameras and their phones, and as they walked by, they'd take pictures as they're walking. Like, they don't even stop me. But uh, <laughs> I, found, I found a um, a Marty McFly that had the same shoes, and mm-hmm. he had the jacket from Part 2. Oh, very cool. The actual jacket. I should have asked how much it was, and maybe I could have bartered with him. But I, I doubt he would have gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's pretty good replicas on uh, HalloweenCostumes.com, right? Um, I don't know about pretty good, but uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe costume quality. Yeah, I think they're co- yeah. costume quality. I, I would like to get a pretty good uh, yeah. replica, especially uh, since it's 2015 now. And, and one that fits. I don't want a self-sizing one. <laughs> so I want one that already fits me that I wouldn't have to adjust. Um, have you ever pulled up your sleeves and said, size adjusting fit? I did not. <laughs> I did not do that. Um, but I've never had the jacket to do that. But you know what? When I was, I remember, I just, I just thought of this. But when I was in elementary school, couldn't tell you what grade, but I once... I once made my own Back to the Future 2 jacket. Wow. And I remember, this is pretty embarrassing, I, I don't remember the exact details, but for the pockets, I used paper, folded up into pockets, I colored them black, and taped them onto my shirt or my, awesome. or my jacket. Um, I don't know if it was awesome. But thinking <laughs> back, it must have been pretty, you know, I'm, I'm surprised I don't remember being embarrassed, but it should have been an embarrassing moment for me. But I remember that. Um, I don't remember how much of it I actually made from paper. But the pockets I definitely made out of paper and colored it black. Or maybe even gray or something. Um, I, t- I don't even remember if the jacket was actually had any red on it. But I do remember that. So I did try a little cosplaying before that was a thing. I cosplayed before it was a thing as well. And uh, my probably my first Back to the Future cosplay was just, of course, jeans and a burgundy maroon t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I and white Nikes. That's yeah. the easiest, right? That's very easy. But it's fun. And and yeah. every once in a while when you're wearing that simple combination, people look at you and go, Marty McFly, right? And you go, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they would ever get that on me unless I had the shoes on. Yeah, you like, need the shoes. And they don't make them with the red Nike symbol that I found. So you have to put your own red Nike symbol on them. Oh, so somebody probably makes like the um, the custom ones that you can add onto the shoes? Yeah, I, I've seen those on eBay, I think. Yeah. But I know uh, they had the Back to the Future um, Marty and Doc lookalikes at Universal Studios. Right. And uh, they had they even had to make their own version of the shoes. 
Have you you ever meet those guys? I met one. uh, I've never met a Marty lookalike, but I have met a uh, Doc lookalike, and he was pretty good. It's good. And he was wearing the um, the 2015 getup, you know, the whole yellow and red. Yeah. And I remember asking him to take a picture, which he posed, and I was like, oh, can we put on our sunglasses? And, and he said no. He, he had to leave it up because he can't see through them. Oh, yeah. And the, and yeah, thought, they're solid metal. Why does it matter? <laughs> you know, it's just a pose. Like, why does it matter? I had my sunglasses, and I wanted to put it down and look cool. I like how but, they stay in character. Um, the Marty that I met when I met Marty and Doc at the same time, um, I don't want to show you the picture because I was very large back then, and you can't see the DeLorean behind us. But... <laughs> Um, he stayed in character and he sounded exactly like my, Michael J. Fox with the cracky voice and everything. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess that's why uh, I think Anton Yelchin would do good too because like at the time when I thought he'd be a perfect Martin McFly, it was the voice inflections too mm-hmm. from this one movie. But um, yeah, it, it, it'd be hard to find somebody as charming as Michael J. Fox. But I'm going to have to get back to you on a Biff. Like, I, I've never put a whole lot of thinking into recasting Biff, but I, I wouldn't want Channing Tatum in my movie, <laughs> if I was directing anyway. <laughs> well, my dream is Back to the Future 4 with all the original actors. Yes. Because it's 2015, so in, you know, in the next few years, they can do it. And I know Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's, and he can't do full-time much but he did that series and he's back in acting like he retired and that day i was like oh, no back to the future four but i yeah. i think they could do something if they worked around his his uh special needs because of his parkinson's and i i think everybody would be back on board and as we just saw a few days ago or whenever this airs i don't know as we just saw with jurassic park you can do a sequel 20 years later and be the third highest grossing movie of all time if they got everybody back for back to the future part four they would make ridiculous money. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, did... Okay, I, I know this movie wasn't very good, but Crystal Skulls, didn't that make a lot of money too? It just wasn't what people wanted? I think so. A lot of people didn't like it. I didn't mind it. I, I loved it. I was. It's nice to see indie, indie again, you know? Uh, it was weird seeing Harrison Ford's head CG'd onto a stunt double's body. <laughs> But other than that, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the adventure. It was kind of weird, but, you know, I'll watch all four when I watch them now. You know, I don't skip it. Yeah. I I kind of I agree with you if they were to do another movie that just, just make it take place um, where they are now as far as their age. You know? Yeah, because then it would look perfect. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right, it would. And for my own personal copy, I would like to reshoot 2015 with the actors as they are now playing those versions of themselves. And they could totally do it. In 2015, absolutely. If George Lucas has done it. I was just going to say, if George Lucas had made Back to the Future... No. <laughs> well, he he would have put the actors in today. today yeah. yeah. But maybe, you know, if J.J. Abrams can can take some pointers and, and redo that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even Zemeckis, I don't know why he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that would, that would be just amazing. And... And and maybe if they can just go back and retouch up in part one when the DeLorean runs over Doc and Marty and just those flames, if they can just mm-hmm. redo the flames, just make it look a little a little less uh, superimposed over over their bodies. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind that. I'd like that as long as they kept both versions on whatever. I guess the next release will be on 4K Blu-ray, which is coming out later this year. Holy cow! I had no idea. Yeah, it's called <sighs> ultra high def. I think is the term and. Uh, 
the players will start being released around August. I'm sure they're going to be way too expensive to get right away, but the movies will be coming out around December just in time for Christmas. Will they at least look a little bit better on a Blu-ray player? Uh, will they be like upconvert, you know, kind of like the DVDs? On Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll buy any release they have out the first day. I bought the Blu-rays on the first day, and they were triple the price they are now. Yeah, I didn't mind that either. <laughs> no, I don't mind it. It's Back to the Future. That Whenever uh, Heather, my wife, and co-host on the Quantum Leap podcast, asked me, how much did you spend on that? My reply is, it's Back to the Future. And the last conversation we had about that was the shoes. Yeah, um, I, had I, was very, like, I had a similar situation. Actually, those shoes. <laughs> she asked me how much they were, and I told her. <laughs> And, you know, she she was not happy. And I go, <laughs> I am not returning them. <laughs> See, this is why we're soulmates. Yes. <laughs> for the, for those that don't know, Albie took a, um, what, was it a quiz? I, I'm not, Facebook, I, I've been seeing it. Facebook program, that's the thing now, uh, who's your soulmate? And it scans your Facebook and it finds the person that you have the most in common with. Yeah. And and there it is. I'm, I'm his density. <laughs> <laughs> you are my density. And I posted it and Heather was like, really? It's not me? It's it says try again on there, and I was like, why try again? It already picked my soulmate. Right, right. <laughs> that's funny. She didn't, she didn't have any comments on that. I was kind of looking for that to see. If say <laughs> of course, she she uh, I'm her soulmate because I think she hit try again. I'm not sure. She didn't. <laughs> she said she didn't, but I I mean, we both like Back to the Future. We both like time travel. We both are podcasters. I mean, the list goes on and on. So of course, it's picked you. I think right. I'd just like to say happy 30th birthday to Back to the Future. Without you in my life, I think the timeline would have changed and it would have destroyed the space-time continuum as we know it. So thank you so much, Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson, and everyone involved in making Back to the Future Part 1. If you'd like to email in, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HLF Podcast. Give us a like on our Facebook page, and also, please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. It only takes a few seconds. This tribute has been concluded. I'd like to thank all my guests for joining me and sharing their love of Back to the Future. Until the next episode, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. <laughs>